This is Family Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Joanne McSpadden. Uh, welcome to the Family Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? Hi, thank you. I'm doing great. I want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on a Newsly platform. You can see that icon up there that says listen on Newsly. For anybody who's listening or watching, you can use that coupon code of GHOST to check that out for free for 30 days. We'll be on Newsly later tonight because we are a featured podcast on that platform for the audio, an audio-only version of the show. And so we want people to check that out. We do have your link up to be able to go to joannemcspadden.com. And then it has a forward slash books, uh, forward slash Obsidian Tide. And that will be fully clickable when we're published. So you don't have to worry about trying to type that down to remember it. You'll be able to click through on that. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about why it's hard to be an introverted writer with a message. That's kind of the focus, but we're going to talk about your story. So one of the things I like to ask artists first time I get on the, on, they get on the show is like, what motivates you? Like, why, why do you do what you do? Yeah. So for me, I really, I want to make an impact and being an introvert myself, writing kind of comes more naturally to me to be able to do that. And one of the major messages that I am really passionate about spreading is the the don't settle message. And uh, so mm -hmm. I want to make an impact in people's lives with that message. And I think I've seen a lot of people in my own life kind of go down the checklist, kind of create the life they've been told um, is successful. Um, and I really want to kind of challenge that way of thinking and like i said writing is much easier for me well it's a creative kind of i think there's a creative um kind of impulse in people when they're children and nobody you know puts it down and then as you get to be an adult they start saying well that's foo foo you shouldn't want to the yeah. art, art artist life is foo foo you got to have like a stable job and and yeah. so it's it's hard sometimes to be a creator because it's like, you know, people are always down on it. They say, well, you know, that's not like being a banker. It's not like being a programmer. It's not like being a lawyer. So I, I noticed like you have a, a main gig, which is you're a software developer. I happen to be yeah. in software design. I'm, I'm a business system analyst. So I've been in that world too. Um, yeah. And I, does that help you in your fantasy writing? Because you're kind of in a science-based job or technical job? It does. Yeah, it does. And it's maybe not intuitive to think that, but computer programming can be pretty creative. You have to solve problems in creative ways all the time. And you're also doing that when you're writing a plot and especially fantasy, because it can be pretty complicated. You've got magic systems to define and different worlds to create. So yeah. there's a lot of a lot a lot of stuff to figure out. And it's also, I mean, my writing is kind of the creative outlet that, you know, I, I don't get as much at work, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's still very, very similar in a way. Yeah. Because like you have to build character design, <clears throat> you have to do build world building, you have to create paths for your plot line. And, you know, and anybody that's like deep into codes, like there's different paths based on what you do. It's like exactly. if you're doing a murder mystery. Like you find this clue, it goes this way. You find this clue, it goes that way. And then you have alternative <laughs> paths based on what you're finding. You might find the wrong suspect. You might go down the wrong rabbit hole. So like you can make any story can have that kind of twist and you can 
if you've got a, a logical mind, you can like map that out. Yes. Do you, yes. Do you find, do you like to be pre-planned because of your kind of software background or you do like flow state type of stuff? I am very much a plotter and an outliner and a planner when it comes to writing. Uh, it, it doesn't always go as planned though, I will say, like if I am in a flow state, which is also really important for introverts, but uh, if I am in a flow state, sometimes it goes in a different direction. And I let that happen when it comes up, but I have to kind of know where I'm going first. Mm -hmm. So I have to have somewhere to start, somewhere to end. I'm actually working on uh, brainstorming uh, for my second book. And it's a lot of questions, right? I'm I'm like, okay, but what about this? And what about this? And I don't want any mm -hmm. plot holes. <laughs> so yeah. it's a lot of questions to answer uh, before I start writing even. Yeah, it's like building a world. Like anytime you're an artist, like you put a paint or you put the foundation down, like, you know, yeah. people might not understand how much work it is just to build the foundations of like the creative process. You know, as a musician, right. you're, like, you're putting down basic tracks and you might not see the full picture of the song you don't say well, well how does that work because in your head you you see this whole vision but you might be doing one track at a time or one piece at a time and it's like it's not the whole holistic vision of the entire project but you've got to have yeah. the kind of foundation good or it won't work <laughs> yeah they, they no, exactly and there's so much story that i know and have written that like readers will never see, right? But I need to understand them to know motivations of the characters, to know why they're doing what they're doing and to, you know, give them a goal. So there's there's so much behind the scenes. <laughs> so what made you want to be a writer? Because some people are like, well, they get like, like imposter syndrome and they're like, oh, I can't be uh, Hemingway. I can't be Shakespeare. Right. So why should I even try? I can't be Orwell. So why would I even try? Wait, did you, but did you feel like I, you had something to say you want to, you didn't have a problem thinking like, well, I have a right to say it. Oh no, it, I still deal with imposter syndrome all the time. I mean, even when I had my physical book click in my hand and, you know, I was selling them and people wanted me to sign them, it's still, I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so, so that still definitely happens, but I think knowing how passionate I am about the, the overall message. And I would also get kind of scared that there's a lot of people out there that are writing books, but I have a, I have a very unique voice. And I think that it's important that, that we all have a chance to share our messages and our voices. And like I mentioned before, like being an introvert, that's a really hard thing to do. Uh, so you have to find the right ways that work for you. And for me, writing was the answer. And I've had a lot of support. <laughs> so well, it is it is not an easy thing. <laughs> well, it's good to sure. have the support because if you're in an environment where you don't get the support, then it kind of reinforces your imposter syndrome. And then Absolutely. you never then you never throw the throw that at the wall. Like a lot of times, like once you throw something at the wall, you throw it into the world. Then you get the mm -hmm. haters, you get the people, critics, you know, maybe they're not even writers. It's like they immediately have some kind of something to say. And yeah. the way I look at it is like every human being has a different take on their 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 experience in the world. So it's 
like when we talk to people on the podcast, there's a reason why we talk to individuals all the time, you know, because every person has a different point of view. They have a different way of analyzing what's coming into their world. And it's yeah. interesting to get that spin where some people like the general society, I think likes people to just take, take their, like the canon. Like I said, mm -hmm. oh, Shakespeare or Hemingway. And that's all it is. Like you can't look at anything else because then that's like, it's not legitimate, but it's like, I think you, it, it, people won't make any progress if you just stay in the can and you have to kind of push it, push it and, and then come up with new vi visions. Yeah. And I think part of the canon is extroversion as well. They want you to act like an extrovert a lot of the time. And that was, that's been a big struggle uh, trying to determine as an introvert, how do I do this? How do I mm -hmm. find the right audience? How do I find the right medium for me? So, so when you got into writing, um, did you have like um, the beta reader kind of environment or did you have like trusted people that you were able to like bring things to? Did you have a way to, to kind of put, put your thing into a, into a community and get positive feedback that make you feel like you can make forward progress? Yes. And that was really important. I actually started this journey real like I've been trying to write the book forever but when I hired a writing coach that's kind of when it all started rolling and becoming mm -hmm. real so I had this great partner in my writing coach she not only gave like seminars but also worked with me one-on-one -on -one. and she would read my writing help me with the plot and that was a really good starting point mm -hmm. uh like you said getting the beta readers as the next step and kind of you know, letting other people in to my writing was really scary, but really important and like really rewarding. Uh, not because they had glowing, you know, things to say, but because every piece of their feedback like made the story better. And yeah, I actually positive, ended up positive, yeah. positive feedback. Not just somebody saying I hate it. And like, what's the like? If, if you have somebody reads it, and all they tell you is they hate it. Well, that's not very <laughs> valuable. If, no. if, 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 like, tell me what you didn't like about it and maybe how I could make it show me what, like, what is it that you hated? It's yeah. like, it's, it's never very productive. That's why I hated it. It's like, well, that's right. That's like, that's yeah. really <laughs> move me to change it. If you don't tell me why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, it wasn't even necessarily just blanket feedback like that, but it was, you know, even if they just said, I liked it. Well, why did you like it? Like, how can I make it stronger? And and mm -hmm. so every piece of feedback, positive, negative, all of it, like made the story better in the end. So I think that what I've got now for uh, what's being published in March, I think, you know, it's it's the the best that it can be. And that's, that's thanks to the community that I had and the support that I had and the readers that took the time to to read it and give me some feedback. Well, what do you think about the way the writing market is today? And like, um, what's your path to publication? Are you working with an independent uh, distributor or you're self-published? You're working with a with a small indie, you know, book publisher or a bigger publisher? What What's your path? So I'm working with a, a smaller publisher and it is a technically like a hybrid publisher but they do give a small advance so they can be considered traditional and they do have ways into bookstores. So you can get 
my book at Barnes and Noble and Target and Books a Million oh, cool. and all of those places. Uh, so that's, and they've been a really good partner, you know, take me through the whole publishing process from cover design, internal design, like all the edits. Uh, and it's been, it's been a journey. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, all of the edits, I don't know if, if people realize how many stages of edits there are <laughs> once yeah. you finally even finish the story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big process. Um, but I wonder also, because being an introvert, it's interesting, like, once you write the book, then you've got to like, well, you're on this podcast, so you're, you're, you're in that game. So you're, you're starting yes. to do like the pre publicity. Is that hard mm -hmm. for you to, to like be here um, doing <laughs> this? Or have you kind of resolved that like in order to, for me to get this book out there, I have to do things like this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of both. I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but I, I believe in it enough to be here. Right. So mm -hmm. it is, it is, probably more difficult than for someone who is more extroverted. But, mm. you know, I think it's definitely worth it. And I think as long as us introverts, we find a balance between doing stuff like this and not doing stuff like this, uh, you know, we have to do stuff like this sometimes. So, and we can, it's just, we have to take the time to recharge after this and not yeah. try to just like jump into the next thing. Like, okay, don't yeah, expect me off. to be productive. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta shake it off. Like people don't give themselves time to recover. Like yeah, if you just yeah. yeah, you really it's very important when you're being you're creative, like you just don't go at it. Like if I'm in a studio, I just don't sit at my piano for eight hours straight yes. trying to bang it out. Yeah. Like I have to kind of give myself a break. You know, and, right. and if I, you go on a, a a publicity campaign, you don't set it up so you're stressed yourself out. So yeah. you're going like bing, bing, boom, bing, bang, you're just flying doing all this stuff. Like you have to think about like what is sustainable and good for me right. overall. But I know right. sometimes like the machine of like sometimes the creative machines are oriented sometimes to do very extreme things <laughs> in terms of like, oh, yeah. if you're going to go out there, you're going to do a book tour. You do have to go, you know, go to New York, then mm -hmm. go to Boston and go there, do it there. It's like, so is, is that in, in the cards or would you just do things virtually? So I would love to do a book tour. I would probably, uh, be exhausted by the end of it but i still like i said i the i mean the message the book i believe in it so much that it's worth it for me to you know be a little challenged uh, for, gain, some, for a, a period yeah. of time yeah yeah it's, it's just another phase because once you put something yeah. out there you have to promote it like you have to you can't just like a lot of times artists is like why well, I, I want to just work on the next book I want to work yeah. on the next meeting. I want to work. Well, well, how are you going to, you know, you got to get it into the gallery. You got to get it into the bookstore. You got to get it into the record store. You got to get it on stream. Like if you don't mm -hmm. do the work, it's like you can keep on working, but it's like, it just piles up all this work and you have to start to, to, to just, you know, make choices. Like which things are you going to work on? Right. And is that hard? Like if there's a writer, like you might already be thinking about the next thing, yeah. but now, you know, you have to promote this thing. But you I mean you put some time maybe on the next book because you can set aside time you can manage. But like, is is that like in in the cards? Like, do you find yourself like working on something and say, "Oh, this would work better in the next project"? Yes, yes. So I am already working on the second book, and it is hard to find the balance sometimes because 
I don't know if it's just an introvert thing, but at least a creative mind thing. You just want to jump into the next thing, like you said. And I would really, really you know, rather just dive into that, get totally mm-hmm. immersed in, in the next book. But I do have to pull myself out of it and do the marketing for this book uh, so that I can write the next book and that there will be people you know, ready to read the next one. So, I mean, I realize the importance, there's an importance to both of those phases. And I mean, like you said, it's, it's a phase, it's a different stage of the process. So you have to respect it. <laughs> yeah. So like, what would a reader, what can a reader expect by uh, when they read Obsidian Tide? Thinking, I don't want to give away the whole, you know, you, you know, you don't want to give away everything because you want people to get it, but maybe you can right. give us, give us the elevator story that doesn't, you know, ruin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So it's an epic high fantasy. So it takes place in a in a different world, and it's about when a deadly disease hits uh, the heart of a kingdom, and there are two main protagonists that it the disease affects them both in different ways, and they have to team up together to try and find a cure for this disease that there's you know no known no known cure except for this ancient relic that's been lost you know to time and so it's like nearly impossible task to try to find this magical relic you know it's guarded by monsters and and all of that so that is that is the main like storyline uh, I will say though, it's about a lot more than that. I've you know tried to put like, deeper meanings into the story, uh, so that's what it is yeah. about on the on the outside. Uh, one of my main characters is an introvert and trying to navigate how to be a hero when you're an introvert and when you're maybe not comfortable with the spotlights and maybe yeah, not what? comfortable <laughs> with uh, <laughs> what everyone what wants you hero. to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yes, very much. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. a cool character because then like you can see them growing, you know, the reader will probably yes. see them grow and know how hard it is to see what they're doing. They get to be yes. where they are. And so that, that, right. that's a cool subtext that while you're getting into the characters, like, wow, that's really hard for them to do that. And they're putting them in that cells in that scenario. And the thing about yes. fantasy and science fiction, like a lot of times you take things from like reality and then you mm-hmm. bring it in. And so, mm-hmm. like, like, so the, some of your subtext might be like statements about things, but they're kind of like masked, you know. And that's just something that you know Rod Serling used to do, Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov. They all would have, yes. you know, hidden in in the fantasy and the fiction is like assessments of the current state of the world, but mm-hmm. kind of within a fantasy world. Is is that something that you yeah. try to do as an author, or you 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 just strictly fancy? So I don't do that consciously, but I think that that it just happens, that it ends mm-hmm. up being that way. And I will say there is there's a lot of um, historicalness <laughs> to my story. So you'll see a lot of themes of like Victorian England and kind of what it, you know, I, I base their culture on that time period. And then, I you oh, know, wow. one of the other cultures is more like Russian, like old ancient Russia, you know. So oh, wow. there's a lot of like bits that kind of have merged together to be this this interesting new world that I have taken, uh, you know, purposefully from this world. But yeah, I think it mostly just kind of happens naturally. Mm-hmm. Kind of so it's cool that you have like a history 
lesson. I mean, you take in like real history and then they brought pieces of a, that structure into this modern world. So, so you can have that, that kind of world building that you did. So you probably, you know, yeah. you looked at Victorian era and you probably dived mm -hmm. into your research to make it yeah. somewhat accurate, you know, rather than yes. just kind of just, you know, making it up on the fly. That's Absolutely. the work that people don't see that is yeah. done for any kind of work. It's like a, the pre-work, mm -hmm. like you said before, like that you have to build all this, all these foundational concepts to your yes. satisfaction that you've got it right. Yes. And that's, There's so a how, lot of research. <laughs> how long does it, did it take to actually build this, the, everything to create this book? So the world building, it took me about a year, honestly. And I spent a lot of time on the religion because that is a big part of the book and how magic exists, you know, in mm -hmm. this world. So I did spend a lot of time on that, taking, you know, inspiration from a lot of religions that we have, mm -hmm. um, you know, on, in our world. And I will say it took me a year. Did it need to take me a year? Maybe not, but <laughs> I love world building and yeah. I, probably planned out way more than I needed to. I know a lot about this world that probably isn't relevant, but it was a lot of fun. Now, like a lot of people, when they write novels today, they, they, they kind of anticipation that there's going to be a series. Is yeah. this like a book one of a series? It is. Yes. Yes. I, I had originally thought it was going to be three. I started plotting out book two, and I realized this is probably four books. So right now we're looking at a four book series and Obsidian Tide being the first one. Awesome. So is there going to be kind of any kind of link, linkage language to link the books together to say that this is part one, two, or are you just going to, people will just know that this is part of the series. Is it going to have like an overall theme name? Yeah. So the overall series name is the Lumos Gems Chronicles. Okay. So, so you it's got about that. this. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. A, it's like I'm I'm a big um, comic book fan, and that's a fantasy oh, yeah. world. And I was mm -hmm. I'm a, you know I'm a child of the '60s '70s, and I was big into like Jack Kirby. And Kirby, you know, he's known for creating all these fantasy worlds. Like they, the world that we see with Marvel today is all like the stuff that was in his head. You know, all all the fantasy <laughs> characters and the weird machines and everything. He built these really strange, like worlds that the movie industry has been able to take and turn into like real fantasy because you know i remember yeah. just reading the books in the 70s and it's like oh i was entranced i was enthralled i was just reading this yeah. stuff and it's like the fantasy world is like when you read tolkien you get into that kind of thing it's it's just really deep and so mm -hmm. like how was that something that as a as a kid you were drawn to fantasy books Yes, very much. I I read as much fantasy as I could get my hands on. And one of the first series that I fell in love with was Lloyd Alexander's Perdane Chronicles. Mm. And I I actually read, I think, the fifth book in the series first because I didn't know it was a series. A series. <laughs> and I still, I still loved it. <laughs> so I went back and read all of them uh, and I read them again. And I read like pretty much everything by Lloyd Alexander after that. He's a big fantasy middle grade author. Uh, jumped into Harry Potter. Love Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Still to this day. 
Yeah, yeah it's like so it, it this is just diving into the those that fantasy world. It's just because it, you know, it's like why I like science fiction. Like why why do kids like Star Trek and Star Wars? That kind of because it's like space opera. There's like like that mm-hmm. space opera. You kind of get thrown into this thing, and a lot of it is based on older ideas. You know, like a lot of that stuff is kind of rooted in the overall fantasy. It's just pushed in science fiction realm, but got the same kind of world building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it totally does, and it's just it's such a good escape, <laughs> you know. And that's you know I think why people love it. It's it's a way to escape for a moment. And that's always been appealing. <laughs> it's interesting in today's world. Well, the thing is also today's world is so into instant, like 30 second, 15 second, two minute songs, very short attention span. So it's yeah. it's really interesting when you get fans in, in the book genre, they're willing to stay mm-hmm. with you cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're giving you their, their time. And like a lot of people don't give time. Like musicians, we find it yeah. like we we can't do nine minute songs anymore. We can't do fifteen minute songs most of right. the time, right. even if we want to. Like we can't get them out there, even though you try to tell people Hotel California is a long song. Like that, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's like the Queen song, like you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a long song. So well, you can't it can't be done. It's like well, it was done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Like, so how do you how do you, how do you feel that you're able to draw? your audience's attention and get them. How does that make you feel when you know that they're actually spending time with you? Yeah. I mean, I, it feels great. And I, I'm so glad that I'm able to to put together something that people want to keep reading. I will say that my, my book Obsidian Tide is a fast paced fantasy, um, mostly to keep the attention of the audience. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not as long as, the famous fantasy books. Uh, it doesn't have, ex, you know, long extended prose like Tolkien or anything. Yeah. Uh, and there's not as much. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it is fast paced. It's shorter. Um, if you want to compare it to anything, it's like the first Harry Potter book in length. So it's mm-hmm. not that long, but it's long enough, obviously, to immerse in the world and to get a good story. And you know, I've I've heard lots of great feedback from my early readers that they get hooked instantly, and you know that's kind of the goal. That's you know, yeah, yeah. you found you found what the I'm secret going for. sauce. Well, you found the secret yeah. sauce in the like attention deficit age. They they define the secret sauce where like you know, like you could want to do Tolkien, but the audience today isn't gonna gonna stand for Tolkien. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They're not, you know, they can't even stand for Hemingway now. <laughs> it's like it's like people, no. it's like like they can't draw, get drawn into it. Like, what's that mean? It's like they just you just have to understand where the audience is. So if, yeah. if where the audience is, and then under you know, write for that. But then still keep your goal. And as yes. you get like more into it, maybe you could start to, you know, as you get more popular, maybe you could start to right. take some liberties and and do some things yeah. that maybe aren't as as, as commercial at the in initial aspect, but like when you start, you don't want to drive off your customer. You drive off your audience, right? So you got to. That's exactly it. right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of publishers won't publish works by debut authors that are too long because of like what you're just talking about. Like the market isn't really, isn't really for that. You know, you kind of have to build trust with your readers before they decide to spend, you know, hours and hours 
uh, with, nobody, with nobody your starts world. With, so. the, with the double, trickle, triple album when they first come out. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's usually just a single, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah. because they, well, exactly, you, yeah. <laughs> so you can't. You might want to do that, but like, well, you, you might have enough material to do that, but you mm -hmm. can't actually sustain it. So you have to have that kind of realism, and it's hard. Like when you're a creator, like you said, you know, you probably want to spend time working on all four books, but mm. you got to promote the book that you're on. Yeah, and then you've got to. <laughs> You know, and then you might want to, you know, throw the kitchen sink in and say, well, that's not going to work. You know, it's like, so you have to like, you know, save some things for later. And yeah. uh, that's always hard because sometimes like, you know, as an artist, you want to, I got this idea right now. It's so prevalent in my head. Mm -hmm. and I really want the audience to see this right now. But then like you, you don't have the ability to kind of put that out like right now. You have a process right. that whatever you're doing is going to take months before it actually hits anybody. Yeah. And in the publishing industry, it's even longer than that. <laughs> it takes, I mean, see, I turned in my final manuscript uh, in July of last year and the book comes out in March and that's a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still a long time. <laughs> yeah. So do you find um, that with social media now, there are things that you could do to engage your audience like right now, like what you're doing here? where you could do mm -hmm. like author readings of excerpts and, you know, like, like mm -hmm. an audio book, but do it like on, on a podcast or do it on a, like a social media post. Like there are ways that you could actually connect like right now. But so yeah. as an author, do you, do you want to engage that way or do you think it would take away from the work? So I have been been working on engaging that way. I think social media is a great way to start reaching readers and an audience, um, especially as an introvert like myself. Like I don't have to show my face all the time. I can just kind of give updates on what I'm working on or kind of the struggles that I'm having and kind of building trust, building a, a, a relationship with people. And like social media is a great place to do that. So I have started doing that. I'm really glad that you mentioned the reading of excerpts because I have been wanting to do that. I just need to work up the courage to do that. It's kind of like a poet doing a poetry slam. Like I used to go to this club in Northampton, Mass, and just do like beat poetry, like right off the cuff. And, yeah. and you could just try ideas. So you could have your manuscript and then you could say, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of try these ideas yeah. and see what happens when I'm with this kind of hipster crowd and try yeah. my material with the people. And like, and there was a way to engage like right then. It was like a comedy club, yeah. but it's a poetry club and you can just go out and read. And yeah. and that that's kind of like, well, the way the internet is now, you could have virtual coffee shops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's a, a thing like that. I mean, I've ran into like virtual comedy clubs that mm -hmm. actually do virtual comedy shows, but I haven't seen like a virtual coffee shop. I've seen it for musicians, but not for like writers right. and poets. And I'm, I'm sure it's out yeah. there. I just I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've only seen other authors on Instagram do Instagram lives and. Mm -hmm. For the most part, they're mostly discussing a topic or giving news, but I think mm -hmm. that could be a great avenue for doing just some excerpts, maybe 
yeah, what you're working on, reading that out. Like, I think that's a great idea. That scares me, but I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's just something that, you know, we like, we're musicians, we always like to do unplugged things where we're like, I'll do the unplugged version mm -hmm. of my song just on acoustic guitar or piano and just do yeah. it so the fans engage because it might take a while for me to get it out. So, you know, you can you can engage that fan like right now and get their yeah. instant feedback, which is like really useful when you're a creative person. It's like, are people going to dig this or are they not? Yeah. I think it's the best thing in the world. But then my fans like, yeah, right. that's, not, that's not it. <laughs> you're like, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, there's a lot of opportunities. Um to, to kind of, you know, just kind of, you know, just put the thing that kind of throw it at the wall. And there's, there's a kind mm -hmm. of idea that, you know, the social media world gives us the ability with these reels to get engaged where they kind of want you showing up a lot. Yeah. And so that becomes like another, like, is it an obligation? Yeah. Like once I start that reel, am I going to be like locked into this real schedule? And now it's like, well, I want to write. And now I got to mm -hmm. do reels <laughs> and I got to do TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, do I really yeah. want to spend my time doing that? <laughs> yeah, that has been a struggle of mine. I want to be out there. I want to be engaging. I want to be posting on social media. But like you said, that takes away from the writing time. So I have to find a way to balance it. I've tried to come up with a schedule where it's not too intrusive, mm. but I, you know, I can, you know, batch content, like do the recording on these days and then do the, you know, captions oh, on this day. So it's oh, not, yeah. 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 So, so it's not right. Yeah. 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 Like you for can, me, you, that works. But yeah, <laughs> that's a logical way of doing it. That's a logical yeah, right, way. Right. That's the like, programming actually, way. <laughs> yeah. And it out. Like instead of like, I could actually pre-record and then have them like pre-scheduled come out. Right. Where I don't have yeah. to actually do it at 7.15 every night live. Mm -hmm. I could actually get right. a scheduler to push it out, mm -hmm. but you know, some, some yeah. people are like are challenged and like, well, I don't know how to do that. So then they don't, right. like, well, it, I don't you know, so they don't know yeah. how to do it. So like, I think they got to do it the other way. <laughs> right. And sometimes it doesn't work. Cause you know, they're more spontaneous. They don't think of ideas until they come. And then when their ideas come, that's when they want to share it. And that's yeah. great. Uh, I'm just not that way. I need to plan. <laughs> Yeah, stream of consciousness versus like the kind of pre-planned. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's like a balance, you know, a lot of times it's like, I would say yeah. like in my art, I do a lot of stream of consciousness, but in certain cases, like if I'm working with somebody, I might have to do something that's a lot more controlled and tighter. So if I'm working mm -hmm. on a collaboration one, then I have, have a tighter goal rather than it's all my own work. So I can kind of do whatever I want, but it's it's kind of like 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 you said like at the moment your stream of consciousness dialogue might be better than what you pre-planned, and it could be like you don't know when yeah. that's going to happen, right? So you have mm -hmm. your world, but then you can say, hey, this dialogue I came out in this stream of consciousness session is better than mm -hmm. what I pre-planned. So I'm going to use it, and it's, I guess it's just yeah. having the, the 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 frame of mind to to know that you could use it, yeah. right? To to yeah. not reject it out of fact. Like matter of fact, I'm just going to reject that because it's not in the plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to do that. <laughs> Is that hard? Was that hard for you to do? Or you just were, were always kind of like, if, if something comes out that's better, I'm going to go with that. If something comes out that better, that's better. I will go with that. Uh, I think 
just having something planned kind of gives my mind the the ease to know I have something to fall back on that it can come up with the better ideas because I'm not like, oh my gosh, I have to think of something right now. If I don't think of, you know, my next thing right now, then I'm not going to have anything. So I think being able to have some something planned to fall back on is really helpful for my brain. <laughs> yeah, that that's a cool thing. To, to, and also one thing I like to get into is like, what what are like three things that folks should know about you that maybe they, they don't, they wouldn't expect? So I've already mentioned that I'm a software developer. Um, I'm a huge soccer fan. I love Lionel Messi and I'm so excited <laughs> that he's here in America. And uh, let's see, I, I was a professional cheerleader for a while that uh, was very much uh, a challenge that got me to speak though. And so it was good. I really did it for the, the dancing aspect. I was a dancer most of my life, you know, classically trained in ballet and oh. started the ballet club in college and wanted to keep dancing. So that was a way for me to continue that creative outlet. But it did bring the extrovert challenges of having to do interviews and talk with fans and doing all of that. So that is a, a fun fact. And what else? Um, I'm also a video gamer, I guess. Uh, I guess that falls into the maybe you could guess from the software background, software, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> love love video games. <laughs> yeah, like video games are in that kind of fancy world, depending on which ones you and play. That is there's true. Some, and some of them are are so deep; they're like movies, you know. Compared yeah. to like I grew up, I grew up in the eight bit era, right, where you, you <laughs> yeah. only had so much capability, and we were like on our mm -hmm. twenty Atari twenty six hundred and NES, and we're like, this is awesome. And now I'm looking at these PS5s is like, oh my god! Like, like, but I was a kid. I would have been freaking out because I was just oh, excited that we had Space Invaders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my I, gosh! I, I just excited. finished Baldur's Gate, and it was like, like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like what, what we saw was like we were so excited the asteroids was at home, and we didn't have to go to the <laughs> arcade. And it's like, this yeah. is such a cool thing, you know, but like now it's so realistic. They're like, they look like they're movies. They got dialogue, got actors, actual real actors and mm -hmm. voice actors doing the characters. And you're like, wow, that's really deep. So have you thought about like the licensing for your book? Um, like, like, would you want to turn it into a video game or film or TV series? Or is that in the cards? I would love that. I think about that a lot. <laughs> that would be the dream. And the publisher that I've gone with, I have full rights to do any of that that comes my way. I still retain the rights so I can go. Yeah, I can go and do any of any of that. Um, and that would be amazing. The dream like I would, you know, just jump be into good. that. I'd be good if yeah. I can get there. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. It's like sync license licensing is the dream of all creators now because like in the way the world is, you know, like per copy, like, like, you know, I don't know, maybe you probably have a better deal with your book, but musicians, like we don't get a lot for our streams. It's like, yeah, it's minuscule amounts of money. We have to do other things like sell our t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> the t-shirt makes me more money than my music. And that's kind of yeah. sad. That's like, that's kind of the way the things are. Like if I can sell yeah. a theme song to a video game, I can make mm -hmm. way more money than my song on Spotify. 
And mm-hmm. so that's, so I don't know if that's the same thing with authors. Like if you get your thing licensed, do you make more? Yeah, I would think you probably make a lot more money than if it's not licensed. Yeah, definitely. I, I was thinking about it recently and the royalties that the royalties that I have in my contract are, are very generous and very good, probably higher percentages than you would see anywhere besides self-publishing, but it is very dependent on book sales and you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get out there. It's hard to, to make a big enough impact for you to get a, you know, a lot of money from that. So you have to do the other things you have to, you know, you have to do the speaking stuff. You have to do the, the t-shirts and merchandise and yeah, you have to kind of, you have to kind of create a world around, around the book. So. Have you thought about yeah. doing like an audio book and if, whether or not you would have like voice actors do it or would you do it? Yes, uh, I have thought about that, and my publisher might be able to help me produce it, but I definitely would not be the narrator. <laughs> um, it is a dual POV as well, so there's a, a male uh, protagonist and a female protagonist, so there would probably be two voice actors needed for it, and uh, I mean, I have thought about it, but it's kind of you know, down the road a little bit, we'll see how the launch goes and and all of that fun stuff first. <laughs> yeah, it's just to say that there's a whole market with a lot of people that engage on books because they're commuting and it gives them yeah. a way to, to, you know, I used to be a commuter and it's like the, the real life scenario, like I'm on a plane, I'm in the Uber mm-hmm. trying to get to the next gig because I'm working yeah. on a, like an assignment and I've got like four hours of travel or you know what the travel time in 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 one day and then like i can listen to a lot of books i can right. get, not just like listen to music i can get engaged into these books and podcasts and there's just a whole nother way to consume that that type of information right and i think it's hard for people to be in quiet uh these days as well so even just doing stuff around the house, I like to have an audio book going. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. I mean, we kind of need constant stimulation now and that's <laughs> a really good way <laughs> yeah. to do something that feels productive. Yeah, while you you're get doing tired of the playlist, tired of the Spotify playlist, you put your favorite book on and, yeah. um, and it engages you in a different world because it pulls it you does. into like a movie in your mind. Like yeah. every time I've read books, I kind of start seeing mm-hmm. like visual in my head. It yeah. starts, I, I get my own interpretation of what I think it should be. And that's the way it is. The reader interprets your words and they get their own you know, interpretation of what you've tried to do. But that's yeah. that's kind of, it's always interesting that like how mm-hmm. the mind can concoct these images from words, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's always like fantastic to me. It's like that process. It's like, whoa, wow, that's that's super <laughs> compelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just comes alive. So so uh, when a new idea jumps at you, um, I think we talked about this. Do you immediately see if it can work in your current project, or like immediately say, well, this is actually going to work in somewhere else, and you keep track of them? Like I'm actually list? very guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, I'm actually very guilty of trying to fit it into my current project. Um, I, I want to I wanna put everything in, you know, right now. I've gotten better at that. I do have a kind of a idea vault that, you know, if it doesn't work 
you know, in what I'm working now, I have to save it somewhere so I don't forget about it. And it is really hard to put those new ideas down sometimes. But, you know, there's only so much time. And, you know, if I have to do the social media and the, the writing of my current project and the marketing of this book and my software job, I kind of yeah. have to be okay with setting some things down and, you know, giving it the time that it needs when I'm ready for it. Did you ever um, use like audio tape to like record ideas? I know back in the seventies, like a lot of authors actually recorded like a lot of their information onto tapes. They would actually like talk into tapes and put a lot of ideas down that way. Is that something you're into? Like yeah, voice actually, memo, voice memo? I was like, yeah, I was the the kid with the voice recorder, little bitty cassette tapes. Like, I mean. Yeah, I was really into that because that is just like the easiest way to just write down an idea and then it's just saved. I don't do that as much now, mostly because I I, I don't go back and listen to them. It's so much no. easier for me to glance at a it. note. Just <laughs> yeah, just type it. Yeah. Just the just computers today it. are so, you know, you didn't have to go to the typewriter, you know, like, so yeah. like if you weren't around the time, but because our computers and our iPads could be around us like all the time, it's yep. probably kind of dropped off compared to like 60s yep. and 70s where it was more useful because you might not want to pull the typewriter out. You know, maybe your typewriter's not there. So that's right. why you did it, you know. Right. And it's not always with you. I mean, my phone is always with me. If I have something jotted down in there, I can always just like pull it right back up. <laughs> Yeah, our, our our phones are at like equivalent. It's so powerful. They're like as powerful as PCs, you know. In in some cases, yeah. in terms yeah. of what they can do now, you could do yeah. research on your on your phone. It's like it's like mm -hmm. that was unheard of. You would have to yeah. go to the computer, go to the library. Now you can actually do, <laughs> you can actually go and do research on your phone at any time, wherever you are. You could be in the woods and say, "Oh, I want to look this idea up," and it's like you got it. And it's like that is like just amazing in terms of the, your um, efficiency in terms of what yeah. you can do. Do you find that, that the tool, because you're more technical, that there are tools that you could use in ways that maybe other authors aren't as technical, you know, have you embraced some of the technical innovations now today? I think one of the things I have an upper hand on is my website. Uh, that was, you know, super easy for me to set up, I work on websites as a living and I can kind of, you know, do the the mobile versus desktop pretty easily and make it look good. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's probably, I mean, I also think that using things like, like social media might come a little bit easier to me. Um, and I, I do, I guess, have, <laughs> I do have some routines programmed uh, to kind of shut off uh you know certain apps at a certain time if i'm like trying to focus and trying to write so uh that's you know that's something that i've done with my with my technical skills as well <laughs> what's your opinion about like people are saying about ai is gonna write all the books in the future you know because i was t I, somebody came to me and said well you, want, you don't need musicians in the future because ai is gonna write all the music and i'm like really you you really want that kind of world where right AI writes all the music. When that, I know it could, but do you want that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. You know? I, I, I agree. I don't, 
I don't think that I'll see that in, in my lifetime. I don't think that it will be the same value. Like you were saying, there is a certain voice that, that people have, even in music, you know, it comes from the soul. It comes from emotion that your computers don't have and they can copy, but I just don't think you'll get yeah. the same, the same thing. And also what I've noticed being on social media as an author the the readers are really interested in the author as well like they are interested mm -hmm. in the story yes but they also really want to know the author so yeah, i think that and i'm sure they 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 want to know musicians too i mean you know follow celebrities you want to know these yeah, people <laughs> I understand their motivation like the computer is like what's yeah. the age of motivation okay like right what, what, you know, what's bob dylan's motivation for this song you know what's yeah what's you know <laughs> You know, like you, you, every time people dive into the history of these great artists from like Hendrix to, you know, Led Zeppelin, you're like, why did they do that? You know, mm -hmm. why did they why did they feel the need to go this direction? And that's a human thing. It's like, like, like what happens? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, we, we were feeling this and you get these interviews and people want to know why the artist was motivated to do X. And, right. you know, that's a human thing. It's like, sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, I just heard something. Somebody was humming something. Or I saw something. Mm -hmm. I saw this person and it made me do this. And I saw this event and then I wrote this song and that's a very human thing. And you don't know why, like, why would that trigger that? You know, but that's, right. that's the story. And it's very unique, you know, to yeah. each individual. Artist. It is. Yeah. And I think it's, everyone's interested in it. Everyone wants to know. Because uh, they, you know, they feel things all yeah. throughout the day themselves. <laughs> yeah, I just want to feel that. I think the authenticity mm -hmm. and I think also the vulnerability of being a human being. Like when you're a human mm -hmm. being, you're not 100% perfect. And sometimes right. it's like the happy accidents and the imperfections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not 100% mm -hmm. perfect, but that's actually the character mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes right. when you get to be a writer, you get, like, eventually you get, like, forgiven for your your style if it's not grammatically fully correct, right? Because the mm -hmm. artists actually, mm -hmm. writers will go and do things. Like, I think there's stories about yeah. Stephen King sometimes, like, he has certain things that are not, not correct, but he gets away with it because that's his style. Like, that's, yeah. that's actually part of what his character is. And it doesn't have to be perfect because that's who he is. He's, just, he's trying to yeah. engage so you feel something and doesn't have to be perfect mm -hmm. for you to feel it. Right. Right. And I think when I'm creating characters, I don't want them to be perfect. Perfect is boring. Nobody wants to read about, you know, the guy who knows how to do everything perfectly. Like they want to watch the struggle. They want to watch the growth. I mean, you know, one of my biggest complaints with the Han Solo movie was that there was no growth, you know, like it's just, you want to see, <laughs> yeah. The human, the human side. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want to be a caricature of what you think he should be without any depth. It's like, like you want to know that the whole history. You know, you've got to feel like that 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 backstory. Like you got to make it yeah. compelling. You got to make mm -hmm. it have some layers. You got to make it have some not obvious complexity. You know, but so so they, you get like oh, like the best things are when you you actually discover something. And it doesn't hit you over the head. You, know, yeah, you, you might have yeah, to go back and look at it 
you might have to watch it again. You might have to read it again. Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of drawn into things that are kind of like puzzles, mm-hmm. and 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 you you might interpret it a certain way, and not really get that it was more complicated. You just kind of took it yeah. at face value, and you're like, oh, what's this thing you're talking about here? I got to go mm-hmm. back and figure mm-hmm. out like, oh, I missed something. So it's like it, it it draws you in to try to understand like the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and the, and the people are so time crunched today. I don't know if people like that, but like I, I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. I think people do. I just think they don't give it the time necessarily, but I think everyone does. They really like discovering the depth. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the whole thing about being a writer is like you get people to at least go cover to cover. It's not yeah. like fifteen yeah. seconds, thirty seconds, ninety seconds that you mm-hmm. you, you get hours. Yes. So that that's an advantageous because then that's like what you said. They want to know about you, you as the author. So yeah. then they're gonna find like what, well, what do you like to eat? Do you like to cook? Do you like to? They want to know your <laughs> like, look, well, where do you live? It's like, not they're gonna like, like they're gonna track you down, but they want to kind of know you're a person, yeah. you're a real person, not some kind of exactly. pseudonym that you're like a real individual and you have have a history and it's like why you do what you're doing. You exactly. Know? Yeah, and they want to. You know, that's how you. You get them to read the next book. <laughs> yeah, because you get drawn in, and if you get drawn yeah. in, you know that's that's the whole you know the magic of yeah of, it is of, absolutely of is to get that that kind of curiosity when you're a kid and you're so excited yeah. to mm-hmm. be reading like Charlotte's Web for the yeah. first time. And like you're yeah. like like oh like I don't know if I like books. And then you read something like Charlotte's Web or A Wrinkle in Time, and you're like, wow. I'm really yeah. getting drawn in. You know, as a kid, I was like, I when I read that stuff, it's like, wow, they really kind of pulled me into like, oh, I like reading. I like what's yeah, going on yeah. in the stories, you know? Yeah. The emotion that it pulls out of you, uh, just kind of unexpectedly sometimes, you know, it, it's like you said, it's magic. Yeah, it's great to be in the kind of magic world. It doesn't just have to be Hollywood. And like a lot of people are just drawn into the movies, drawn into yeah. the TV. But the original kind of thing that people had before the electricity, you know, is the books. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really important to give yourself time as an individual to like check out a new author, like mm-hmm. whenever you can, like once a month, once a week, whatever your time bandwidth is. And we we do talk to a lot of authors on this podcast. And I do want to thank you again for being on the podcast and mm-hmm. want people to check out your link so they can get to your book. And uh, that's fully clickable. And we, we do encourage you to engage there and check it out, you know, and check out how to get on the list to, to be like pre-order or what, if that's available, yes. maybe you can talk more about that. Is that, is that available right now? Yes. Yes. So the book is a, you're able to pre-order it. Like I said, anywhere you can pre-order it. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, it's pre-orderable everywhere. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, that's great. Like I, we do love being able to, to break you know, people, and uh, we do have from time to time, people come back. So like in the future, if you ever want to come back with your next book and kind of do a follow-up interview, you know, whenever that's ready, like we do love to be able to kind of follow the people we talk and and kind of show where they are after the first interview. So yeah, that's always an open invitation. And uh, thank you again for being on the Family Electric Coast podcast. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you.